Hello, welcome to episode 1124 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, January 9th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this evening by Justin Mason. Justin, Happy New Year, sir. How are you? It's been too long. Entirely, my man, but you fell a little bit ill. You are uh, recovering from the vid. You got it, but uh, but you're on the mend, yes? I, I thought I was immune. Everyone in my household got it. Uh, you were dodging it. I was yeah, off like Neo. I was, but unfortunately, like playing nurse to you know four other people who had COVID uh eventually got me. And so yeah, it's been been a rough few days. So I apologize to those who uh were expecting to see content other than like my preview pods have been going like crazy um over on recording a bunch more tonight every team uh you're gonna have alex fast for baltimore matthew Mm -hmm. thompson for the cardinals so those are going very well that's awesome and we're starting our position previews we're gonna be talking first base today we are both doing uh projections this year something that you know i haven't done i don't even know the last time i really in fact, I don't usually do them for positions. I will usually take like a set and then do a few tweaks here and there. This year, I'm I'm doing them and I'm going in and I'm doing them by hand, which I'm sure the people who have a system would laugh at us for doing that. But mm-hmm. it's what I want. You know what? It's really getting me acclimated with the players, though. Yep. It's been a great experience. I'm really, really having fun with it. And so it's been great. Check back in with me after outfield and starting pitcher when I have to go, you know. Yeah, like starting pitcher feet. was, yeah. Not I know fun. you started with that. I think yeah. that was the right move. I, I did mm-hmm. about 30 there. And then I was like, okay, so I got my first 30. But then we were going to start the position previews with hitters. And I was like, okay, well, we'll start at first base and I'll get those done. Um, so we got lots to talk about. So I want I want to jump in right now. But first, let me just ask you, did you have a nice holiday and a nice uh, new year? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good holiday. Uh, you can't really complain. It's Christmas, right? You spend a bunch of money on toys that my kids are probably never going to really play with. Um, though my eldest got a drum set, which was a huge fucking That's mistake. cool. Uh, I, well, yeah, huge mistake for you, but very cool that you, yeah. you guys did that for them. Uh, because that's they always, always have respected drummers. And um, I think I've even mentioned this on the pod before. The way it worked in our elementary, like when you could start doing band was when you could start playing sports and you kind of had to pick an avenue and I wanted to play sports. So um, I couldn't balance both there. And I always, I always wanted to be a drummer. Uh, I don't have the dexterity for it. And then this old age, I would never pick it up. So I'm sure it's hell on your ears, but uh, that's still very cool. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about the COVID outbreak is that my kid hasn't been able to access their drum set. So the last week has you. been yeah much quieter, but uh, I'm sure uh, both my wife and my uh, youngest will be out of isolation tomorrow. Uh, and so I'll be like kind of pretty much going into isolation until I'm, you know, uh, mm-hmm. technically around allowed to be around the one kid that didn't get COVID. Um, and then uh, the, the noise, I'm sure, will start there tomorrow. So did you get anything cool for Christmas? Um, no. I got the fancy hat. <laughs> um, I got uh, I got a cool book by Michael Duncan for those of you who are um, history uh, buffs. Uh, it's in a, a biography um, on uh, 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 Marquis de Lafayette. Uh, Michael Dunk Michael Duncan does um, uh, has done a couple really great podcasts. Um, one was uh, Hero the of t- Two Worlds. Is that the book? Hero of Two Worlds. That that's a previous. Oh yeah. Oh no 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 yeah no that is that is actually his book. Uh yeah, Hero of Two Worlds. Uh, Marquis Lafayette. It's I, I'm about 
two or three chapters in. It's really, really good. Um, and then uh, he does some great podcasts, one called Revolutions, which is like 10 different seasons of different revolutions around the world, um, That's which cool. is fantastic. Uh, and then he did uh, History of Rome uh, prior to that. So There you um, go, History Nerds. Mike Duncan, Hero of yeah. Two Worlds. And what were the podcasts called again? Excuse me. Uh, there's a History of Rome and then Revolutions. Revolutions, Revolutions, Revolutions. is really, really cool because it's something different than like, it's not just like going through the history of a country or the history of an empire or something like that. It's, you know, like he did the Haitian Revolution and the Mexican Revolution and the Bolivian Revolution and uh, the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution. Like it was, it was really, really cool. That's really cool. I just pulled it up. I'm going to have to check that out as a history nerd myself. But mm -hmm. now time to shift back to baseball. And first base, let's talk some first baseman here. And basically, we're going to go through the way we've done in previous years. I got a bunch of questions about a bunch of guys as we kind of go down the rankings. Obviously, as our rankings diverge, we can't go in exact order. But at the top, we're pretty much the same. And I, I think it's hard to be too far uh, out of order here. Um, the top two, we're, we're right in line with uh, with the market as well, Vlad Jr. And, and Freddie Freeman. And then you've got Goldie and Alonzo. And honestly, um, Literally, as we were, as I was preparing this, I shifted Goldie to third too. It was a mistake not to have him there to begin with. You already had him there, mm -hmm. so we have the same top four, and um, we do not have the same top four as the market, though. The market does have Alonzo at third, which is interesting. We'll get to that in a moment, but let's start with the top two, the two first rounders, Vlad Jr. and Freddie Freeman. I guess my main question here would just be. Are you drafting either of them in the first round? They're more late first rounders right now with an ADP, uh, with ADPs around 12, 13 for both of them. Max, uh, their min picks are both nine. And then Vlad Jr. has gone as late as 17. And Freddie Freeman has gone as late as 18. Now, these are the six drafts, the draft champions since Christmas. It's a tight window. There are only six drafts, but I want to get something recent. And uh, with the Gladiators, obviously not really useful. To, to a wide swath of, of people. I thought getting the draft champions since Christmas would give us enough to go off of. So Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman, they are late first rounders. Are they guys that you're looking for in the late first round? Probably not. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, here's the thing that you, and like, I, I projected Vlad for like 700 plate appearances. That, which, that's what I was going to say, because you're saying, you know, you might be in on it, but you gave him a very nice projection, including 120 ribbies. So I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I feel like you might, by the time you finish all your other positions, yeah. it might come out that he is one of your top handful of guys. If you just look at like where my projections have him in terms of like the rest of the field, then he's, he's like a top six pick. Um, then you either it, need to adjust the projection or take him. I, and I have taken him in a draft already, but oh, I got okay. him. In the, I got him in the second round. Oh, that's um, awesome. So uh, I can check. I remember who I. I think I started like Tucker and then got. Um, oh, I remember that draft. Yeah, yeah. It, it was early. Um, so uh, I'm not going to be afraid to take him at the back end of the first round. I feel like there's like 12 guys I really want, 12 or 13 guys I really want. And so if I'm for some reason on the 14-15 turn, which is a spot that I'm happy to be at, like I have no problem taking Vlad or Freeman and pairing them with, you know, a speedier guy in the second round. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think I think he is for some reason under a little bit undervalued uh Vlad and and Freeman for that matter uh yeah. by the market. Uh and I get it because people are always 
wanting that speed, but Vlad added a weird speed component to his game. Like, I don't even know how to project that going forward. Like, is he is he going to keep those eight stolen bases? I think I projected him for four or five. Um, I don't know. Like, I yeah, I, I think he's it's a funny pretty too. elite player. It's funny, too, right? Because the whole thing about him, the, the all the discourse around Vlad Jr. last year was he doesn't run. And I know eight doesn't necessarily disprove those folks. My bigger issue was the whole, like, just because he doesn't run doesn't mean you can't take Vlad Jr. Like you can get your steals elsewhere, but he did throw in eight there just to kind of uh, say, Hey, I can run a little bit, but his average also came down quite a bit down to 274. Uh, he was under hundred ribbies and hundred runs after the huge 2021. You've got him coming back with Freeman. He's awesome, right? That's unquestioned. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you if you believe he's awesome. That is a stone cold fact, but is the power a little light? to where you're kind of reliant on the things that are a little bit more out of his control, which are the runs and ribbies, which, hey, the Dodgers are still good. And I, I saw the question in your chat today saying, mm -hmm. like, they're not quite an Avengers lineup, but they are still very excellent. Um, yeah. And then, of course, batting average, which can be out of your control in that you can have a bad BABIP luck year. Does that give you a little pause with Freeman as a first rounder because he doesn't have that power to lean on dropping to 21 homers last year, 31 the year before. So he could bounce back, but only 21 is a little tough for a first rounder. Uh, he did run 13 steals for Freeman as well. Where do you come out on him? Because he's great. And I acknowledge that. And I projected him as such, but I have a tough time pulling the trigger on him in the first round, even though I do believe that he's worth it. It's, it's just, disconnect i have where it's like he's worth it but then i don't want to do it yeah i i think it for me it's a matter of like what else is available and really is vlad jr still available not because i want to take vlad jr there instead but because if both of them are still available at my pick let's say i'm picking like pick 13 i can take a gamble that one of them's going to make it back to me in the second round and so maybe I'll, you know, pop on, you know, an early pitcher or a, a different hitter, um, you know, and take the gamble that one of them makes it back. Like, I don't know if there is a safer player in fantasy than Freddie Freeman. We're talking about a guy that you can pretty much pencil in for 20 plus homers, 700 plate appearances with a 300 batting average, which is insanely valuable. Massive. He stole 13 bases last year. Even if you regress that back to like nine, like it's still fine. And 100, mm -hmm. 100, like he's a five category first baseman. It's it's really hard to like say like you know yes he he's not getting you 30 home runs like other third baseman right but. First still, yeah, sorry, and, first and, and, and he might, right? Like he yeah. didn't last year, he hit 21, but 31 the year before that, 38 in 2019. So, you know, two of his last three full seasons are over that 30 fresh 30 threshold for Freeman. And I don't again, I don't really know what gives me the disconnect there because he is so bankable. He's he's basically our one of our modern day Ironmen. You know, we yeah. don't have too many guys that really play 162, but he's been that 158, 159, including 162 back in 2018. He's awesome. He really, really is. Um, and I, I'm not averse to taking him, but maybe I just need to go ahead and do it sometimes. But yeah. you can get him in the second a lot, like you were saying. Yeah, and so like I'm hoping I get him in the second. That but if if I'm again, if I'm picking 14 or 15 and all the other guys that I, I kind of like ahead of him, 
uh, are gone, then yeah, I don't really have a problem taking Freddie Freeman at that kind of 14, 15 turn um, or 15, 16 turn uh, and just saying, yeah, I got some really bankable stats. What I want out of the first round is I want a, the highest floor possible. And Freddie Freeman gives and you he, that. He absolutely does deliver that. Um, I wonder, should Paul Goldschmidt be with those two? I mentioned that you already had him third. And as I was looking at it, I was like, yeah, you know, I love Alonzo. And we'll get to him in a moment. But I was like, yeah, I, I sold him short there. Even though it was one rank, I in, in my rankings that are on the site, I have Goldschmidt fourth. When I do the update, he will be third. Because the only real critique that you can give is the age piece. And have we really seen any reasons to be that fearful of his age? You want to talk about one, another Iron Man? He's right there with Freeman in terms of being the locked-in guy uh, from a health standpoint. He does hit the 30 homers. He's a 100-100 guy. I mean, he had a 97-97 back in 2019. We'll round up for him, call it a hundo-hundo. He hit 260 that year. That was the only real flaw, but then back to 294 and 317 the last two years. And he also gives that sneaky chip in speed over at first base. We don't have big splits there with him. Um, you're at about just under $2. I'm just over $2 as far as the splits between Freeman and Goldie. But shouldn't he maybe just be like right there with, with Guerrero and Freeman? I mean, I have him $3 buying Freeman. Um, so, I mean, he is That's, that's a much decent bit, though, for, for that area. And I guess the difference that you have here is you have seven points of batting average. And more importantly, it's the uh, – you know, 36 or 34 plate appearances with the seven points compounds it a little bit, 10 runs um, and three steals. Uh, He does have a seven homer advantage. Goldie does over Freeman in your projections. I am guess, I guess I'm a little surprised that that's even $3, but I know that small tweaks can definitely change things. That's definitely something Mm -hmm. that I'm learning more and more with this process, but I wonder if it should be like 10 cents difference between those two. I think you make the argument. I mean, especially considering what's happened to the Dodgers lineup and what continues to happen to the Cardinals lineup. Cardinals lineup got better. Dodgers lineup is drastically worse. Um, And again, I mentioned your chat, Uh, check out Justin on Monday chats. Now it's been going very well. I was in there for a lot of it today, but I actually didn't see your answer to that question. I just saw the question where they said, it's not an Avengers lineup. Uh, anymore, but it is still very good. Mm-hmm. And and I think they were asking, you know, kind of how you felt about it. I think there's still some uncertainty to it too, right? They could still make moves. Obviously, they would come via trade more than free agency because there's not much to sign. But they're bottom three right now. And I'll even say bottom four because I like Lux, but he's not proven. It's Lux, Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor, and James Outman. That's pretty pedestrian for the Dodgers, no? It's very pedestrian for the Dodgers, and I like Outman a lot. I think, you know, he he's definitely one of those guys that's in a sleeper kind of category for me, and it doesn't include Miguel Vargas, who I think will be playing every day or mm-hmm. pretty close to every day. Like, there's no reason to have him up if he's not playing. Um, but where does so, he – so then what would you M- say? Mun- like, Muncie at second. Muncie yeah. to second. Yeah, Taylor to the outfield. Yeah. Uh-huh. Trace out then? So Taylor to center, you think? I would think. I, you have to wonder if there's a center fielder coming. Like Trace Thompson cannot be in that lineup. Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds would make a lot of sense. Ramon Laureano would make a lot of sense. Yes, Laureano's um, a good call too. Now, hey, let's give love to Trace. 
He killed it for them last year. It was only a half great. season, yep. 13 homers, four steals, 268, 364, 537. And if I recall correctly, I'm pulling it up right now. I don't think he just murdered lefties. In fact, he didn't. He Sorry, I'm out here knocking shit off my desk. He reverse platooned. He's known as like a short side mm -hmm. platoon guy from his career, but he went 10-10 OPS against righties, 621 against lefties. 425 Babip really yeah. inflated that for Trace. But you think Trace will be out of that starting lineup and more in a platoon role by season start, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a fourth, fifth outfielder at best. Um, the problem is they're running with a bunch of fourth, fifth outfielders uh, yeah. right now. And isn't uh, Taylor nursing an injury like uh, didn't he have a surgery am i crazy on that he, he might have um wouldn't it would not surprise me at all considering how bad of a year he had and um, justin turner's gone and yes mm -hmm. he does miss time pretty consistently but when he's there he's awesome and you could say that jd martinez kind of fills that the the offense in there a bit but um yeah they, they and, are... and you should get a full year of like max muncie being max muncie yes you know, the part of the question that I got on the Dodgers during the chat was like, will Max Muncy rebound? And I'm like, if you look at what he did from like August on, he yep. was Max Muncy. He had 247, 12 home runs from August on, um, you know, had a, you know, 500 slugging and like a 380 on base percentage. Like he was Max Muncy. Like I expect him to be Max Muncy again. So do, do you have um, second base done yet? No, I don't. Okay. I was going to say, where do you have Muncy? Because I, I had him eight. Uh, I, I, I made the exact point that you did about yeah. him being back. You and I were fully out. I mean, you were out, out. You couldn't be bothered to draft him. I had him low enough to where I wasn't drafting him last year either uh, because we were just struck by the elbow. And mm -hmm. it was an easy call. I'm not I'm not patting our, ourselves on the back. Anybody that wasn't worried about the elbow, I think, kind of missed the boat on that one. But like you said, from August 1st on, he cooked. And he looked back. So that will certainly help. Uh, I guess the one other thing I would ask then, based on this situation with the Dodgers right now, even though you think it's going to get better, would you maybe drop Freeman's runs a little bit from 110 closer to the 100 that Goldie has? And then maybe that would bridge the gap between the two. Yeah, I could potentially do that. I'd have to I have to really look at that and kind of think. Um, and I have 111 for Freeman. So I asked the question yeah. of myself too, by the way. Um, cause he, I don't think you can regress the batting average or regress the, yeah. uh, the plate appearances because he's just, that's all he does is play games and hit for average. Um, so I could potentially, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at it. I do have Muncie's uh, projection done because he is first base eligible. Um, wait already in how many games, not 20 game leagues. Oh, I guess I, I, for some reason I have them. Uh, By the way, general note. Um, yeah, no. I was I'm going to my next set of rankings. I've already done too much work with the 20 game qualifications that I'm not going to undo it. My February updates, they're going to be 10 game eligibility. I just want to cover yeah. the wider swath. People always ask the questions and I, I just go off the 20 standard. But at this point, if I'm ruling, if I'm leaving too many folks out, then my rankings aren't valuable enough for people. So I will have 10 game eligibility in my next set of rankings. So this one's still going to have 20. Cause like I said, I'm almost, you know, I'm into the outfielders at this point. I have outfielders and the rest of the starting pitcher left. So I'm going to stick with the 20 game there instead of re redoing it all. But then I will have 10 game. Muncie does not have that oh, qualification. What was your projection for him? 26 home runs, a 240 batting average, a 356 on base percentage. 76 runs, 79 RBIs. Okay. I put 33 homers. I went crazy. <laughs> now, yeah, I, I think am, that's a bit ambitious. 
Um, I, I think I could probably get him closer to 30, you know, because I mean, he did average what six home runs a month, um, from August on. So mm-hmm. you could make you could make the argument, okay, well, if he's six home runs a month over five months, that's 30 home runs. So, there you go. yeah, um, I think I'd probably put him maybe I will bump up the power a little bit to like 28, something like that. Um, I'm going to lower the runs ribbies a little bit though, based on our discussion here about, cause you yeah. know, it's something I knew in my head that the lineup was a little bit weaker, but that bottom four right now, it, that's challenged. And I think um, while I do believe that they're going to make moves for it until they do, I should project as though they're not. So, yeah. uh, all right, let's move on because obviously we don't want to spend too much time on the top end. People want to know about the middle and, and back end more so, but, uh, we will continue here with uh number three guy or number four guy, excuse me, Pete Alonso. Is he the single best bet for 50 homers at first base? Uh, yeah. Right. Is, is he the single best bet for 50 homers league wide? Probably. Okay. I mean, you would, Over you would judge think him versus judge probably. I mean, you you just judge his health track record. I know he's been healthy the last few years, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can bet on him to get to 50 again, considering his health track record, considering they're probably not going to juice the balls in New York again, or or maybe yeah. they juice the balls nationwide. Like, Yeah, just um, give everyone. Like, I don't yeah. even, I'm not even mad that Judge was getting those, but just give everyone that. Yeah, if you, you haven't you, read that, by the way, you need to yeah, read up on that. That was nuts. And I saw the Austin Slater interview where he said that like they got th- players got threatened to not like give balls away or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that too. I did see that too. That's, yeah, that's, that's uh, crazy. That's it's good. like they yeah. know that they're pulling bullshit. It, it's it's wild. And listen, I know that uh, Alonso hasn't hit fifty since twenty nineteen, and neither of us projected him to hit fifty. But no, I didn't asking, even project him to hit forty. So. I know you went thirty nine. I went forty one. So uh, we were still pretty close there. But I mean with that team too and i usually kind of tamp down my my rbi projections uh you went pretty high on guerrero alonzo was the guy i went crazy with i gave him 118 uh, as a projection because i, I gave him 110 I, yeah i mean it's not like you went light damn is still like, nice. yeah um yeah i just he is i think he's a stud like i think he I, I have no problem leaving the draft with any any one of those four guys um, I, I, yeah in fact i kind of am eager to do so and um, they're not full targets i will still you know go for the more well-rounded for uh outfielder or middle infielder that's mm-hmm. gonna give me some speed uh in those first two rounds but if i quote unquote get stuck with any of them it's not getting stuck i am happy to take those four but let's jump down because we have our first guy here that uh is a little bit of a question mark matt olson will his average rebound everything else was there so I focus specifically on the average because if if you if you put that back, you know, at say 260 or something, then nobody would be having any questions about his season. 34 homers, 103 runs, 80, or excuse me, 103 ribbies, 86 runs was a little lower, probably because he wasn't on base as often. But a 240 average, um, that's pretty low. That's his lowest full season average ever. He did hit 195 in the uh, 60 game season, but it was that's not a season. That's why we don't really care about that. Does the average bounce back for Matty O his second year in there? I think it does a little bit, but I'm not going to like I, I put him at 247. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's gonna bounce back in the way it was in that like huge season in Oakland, uh, or you know, some other seasons we've seen from him in the past. I just uh yeah, he just doesn't make that great of contact on a regular basis. When he makes contact, it goes far, but like he he definitely struggles sometimes. Um, 
you know, I mean, he, he had a 79% zone contact, which is well below league average and kind mm-hmm. of what you would expect from a kind of all or nothing kind of power guy. Um, that being said, it's still a really good park to hit in. It's a great lineup. I think he's yeah. going to be fine. I bounced him back and forth between being fifth and being sixth in my ranks. He is That's not interesting. Like, yeah. Sorry, finish your thought there. I'm sorry. I was going to say, he's not like the foregone conclusion. And the guy who's next in my rankings, I'm really, really high on. I, I love him too. And we'll get to him in just a moment. But that was where we had an interesting split because you said you're bouncing Olsen between five and six. And I wasn't bouncing in between four or five or anything, but I clearly had him five. And then there's a little drop down to the next guys. Um, you and I are like f- over $4 apart on our allowance, mm-hmm. uh, um, on our Olsen projections. Excuse me. I, I'm out of practice here. We haven't potted in a while. Um, <laughs> so I did have the batting average coming back a bit. I got it up to 260. And I also put him for 40 homers. I, I think there's going to be a big bounce back season here from Matt Olsen. And uh, I would be fine, quote unquote, getting stuck with him after the after the top four as well. Again, it wouldn't be getting stuck. However, I might bypass him because I like this next group, including the guy that you have at six, mm-hmm. even though I have him seven. I love Nathaniel Lowe as well. Uh, people might remember that you know I was pretty big on him last year. Really liked him to to jump up, and he even exceeded my expectations for last year. He had a wonderful season, 27 homers, 302 average, 358 OBP, 492 slug, 76 ribbies, and 74 runs. And what was really interesting about that season for Nathaniel Lowe, he beasted on lefties. Yeah, he was not. He's a lefty himself. For those that don't know, and he really did his best work against them. Nine twenty OPS and a perfectly capable eight seventeen um, against righties. So it's not like he struggled there. But you don't usually see guys going lefty lefty like that. Is his upside entirely run and RBI related because he was under eighty for both, or can he pop thirty plus homers? Oh, I definitely think he can pop thirty plus homers. Like I don't. I don't think there's a question in my mind that he can't pop 30 plus homers. Um, I I love his contact ability. And when mm-hmm. you make as much contact as he does and as much hard contact as he does, like 30 plus is definitely in the cards, uh, potentially for him. I didn't project him for 30 plus. I projected him for 27. Um, but anything you get on top of that 27, it's gravy. There's a little bit of speed component. Um, and I think that batting average is, you know, legitimately good. Um, uh, you know, especially when we're talking about uh, a season in which we have no idea how certain aspects of the game that are changing are going to affect guys with there being less of shifts, there being, you know, more balanced schedule with pitch clocks, with smaller bases. The things I'm focusing on are pure skills and the ability to hit the ball in the zone is a pure skill and Nathaniel Lowe has it. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Like I said, I do have him a little bit lower, like uh, literally 30 cents lower than uh, than Jose Abreu, who's shifting teams over to Houston. We'll get to him in a moment. But um, I, I really do like him. The only thing that held me back was the runs and, and RBIs, and that's why I specifically highlighted that. However, this team, I think this Texas ball club is pretty interesting. Obviously, they had the two big signings last year. And uh, Semyon took a while to get going before rebounding, and Corey Seager had a pretty solid season. I know a lot of people are really excited about what he can do with the uh, with the limiting of shifts as well. And then you've got Adelise Garcia, who had a good season. I'm not necessarily buying it, but I, I don't think he's um, 
you know, a, a terrible player there if he's batting four, five, or six. Josh Young, I'm a Jonah Heim guy. And I think even the bottom of their order can have a little bit of juice with guys like Leody Tavares, Brad Miller, and and maybe Josh Smith, who I've heard getting some run this offseason as a late or as a deep, deep league type of guy. But yeah, Nathaniel Lowe, I'm big time into him. And I think uh yeah, the market has him down at eight. So while you know it's not crazy from where I have him at seven and you have him at six. We are a little bit higher on the market, so maybe we'll end up with a little bit more uh, Nathan Lowe, Nathaniel Lowe shares than the rest of the folks. Let me ask you about uh, Vinny Pasquantino and Jose Abreu because our split on them is similar in that uh, where you have Pasquantino is where I have Abreu and vice versa. I, I want to go back to the situation on uh runs and ribbies that I asked you with regards to low for Vinny P though, because I wonder, can he really go 80 plus 80 plus you had him for 80 runs, 89 ribs. They only have three such guys since 2018, Jorge Soler, Sal Perez, and then Bobby Witt just last year. I'm curious uh, if Vinny P is the next guy there or is it that lineup just too bad and it kind of hampers him because we have virtually the same slash line. Like we really mm -hmm. love his slash line. Our Homer totals are one apart, but you had 80, 89 on the runs rubies and I had 77, 83. And that was our difference there. And that's why we're two bucks apart on Vinny Pasquantino. What's the realistic chance that he gets to the 80, 80, which isn't even a crazy threshold. I think it's fairly realistic. I think maybe the 80 runs is less realistic, especially if he's batting cleanup like Ross or Resource Since has he, projected. He'll have yeah. to rely on everyone else to do yeah, that. Yeah, he's going to have to rely on Drew Waters and Michael A. Taylor, uh, Nicky Lopez batting behind it, Alberto and Mondesi. Like, and hey, we love Eduardo Oliveras, or Eduardo Oliveras, but he hasn't yeah. done anything yet either. Yeah. Not, he's batting behind him as well. So it's it's Mondesi, Oliveras, Waters, Taylor, and Lopez are the five guys behind Vinny P. Meanwhile, Melendez, Witt, and uh, Sal Perez do give him a good chance to have more ribbies. So I, I'm going to keep my 77 runs, but I might actually uh, juice up the ribbies a little bit. Yeah, so maybe I just need to drop the runs a little bit. Maybe even drop the ribbies a little bit. Um, it's an interesting team. I really don't get what they're doing. Like I just like they bring in Jordan Lyles like to like be there the front of their rotate. Like that's just such a weird. That is such a KC thing though. Going Lyles and Yarbrough, just a couple of innings eaters. Oh. You know, yes. they got Singer who broke out, which was nice. And they got Keller and Daniel Lynch who showed flashes. Daniel Lynch yeah. did show some interesting flashes. I don't really know either. And we'll get to Nick Prado later. But uh, they have talent. And, and Vinny P being chief among – or I guess Witt is chief among them. But then Perez, Pasquantino, and Melendez are also very fantasy viable. But I just don't know what's going on there. And yeah, uh, it, it, it kind of leaves me with some question marks as well. Now – Going to Abreu, the reason I said that our split on them was kind of similar because we had them like mirror ranked. Mm -hmm. um, you only had him for 80, low 80s runs, ribbies, and I was a bit higher there at 89 runs, 93 ribbies because he's going to Houston. And so my guess, I guess my question would be because we're pretty similar on the slash lines and the homers, can I convince you that maybe you're a little too light on the runs and ribbies given that he's going to Houston for Jose Abreu? Yeah, I, th I think he can. Um, I should probably get him over 90 RBIs and probably get him at least a few more runs. Um, I mean, that is a really, really good lineup. 
it's but it's not like he hasn't been in good lineups before. True, but but he's had pretty good running ribby yeah. numbers too, right? I was mostly looking at last year. Maybe I'm just weighing that a little bit too much. And, and the uh, lineup was pretty rough last year. So he only had 75 was, ribbies, yeah. and I think part of that was the lineup struggling around him and Abreu because he had a great year, 304, 378, yeah. 446. He only had 15 homers, so the power was light. So I would give him some of the credit or, or some of the punishment for the low ribby total, but I think opportunities were also a part of it because that lineup just was not where they should have been. The Crawford boxes are going to play perfectly for his power. Like it says, you look at like the X home runs, what they would have been in Houston, and he would have gotten like eight more home runs in Houston last year. Like it just, um, this is like the perfect landing spot for him. So yeah, I think I do need to come up on his RBIs and runs a little bit. Hitting fifth in that lineup uh, is amazing. And somehow Kyle Tucker is still hitting six, but that's behind him. So that's going to be helpful. Like I, just, I, I know, but it, it still frustrates me because I, I mean, I love Tucker. I'm still taking him early first round. I, I'm I'm still kind of of the mind that he could take that two spot, um, unless they're just married to like the veteran presence there with Michael Brantley, uh, and knowing that like an analytical team knows that lineup spot doesn't really matter that much overall. But, but it matters in terms of how many plate appearances you that's get. That's what so I was going to say. Matter. The volume does matter, though, and you would think that they would want their up and coming superstar to get more plate appearances. So. I know right right now Ross Resource has Brantley two, Tucker six. I still think that could flop or that could yeah. flip, and that would be that would be fine there. But uh, yeah, so if you move Abreu up a little bit, I think we're going to be pretty much in lockstep there. But that Abreu low Pasquantino trio, um, if I don't get one of the big five up there, I have no qualms getting one of those. And there's been a, there's been worlds already, there's been drafts already where I take one for first, and then one of them, one of the other three for corner. And I end up with like a, a Goldschmidt low combo. I know, I know that's a lot of early equity in first base, but those guys are really, really good. And I like all seven of the or all eight of the, uh, the of the top first basemen. Yeah, um, I think uh, Abreu is uh, um, like a little bit underrated this year. I think so too. I like think I so as, uh, very Especially much so. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, especially because he like he's got such a great park move, team move. Like this is like the perfect landing spot for him. And I, I don't know if it's age or just the down power last it's year. Age. But... Well, yeah, and the power and seventy five ribbies. I, th- I think it's yeah. a little combo there. It's not just the age, but I do think that that plays a role. Um, and I wrote up in my first base rankings about how you mentioned the Crawford boxes. He's he's shown a penchant for being able to pull and take advantage yeah. of, of good pull parks. And I think that Abreu is going to learn from teammates Altuve and Bregman. Uh, they are tied for fourth in pulled homers since 2019 with 82% of their homers, uh, minimum 35 homers hit, which was an 83-player sample. And Abreu himself was at 23rd with a 65% rate. And if he jumps that up into the 80s, I think the power will come back in a big way. So I like Abreu a good bit. I think he could be really nasty. And that's the thing, too, that if you don't get one of the top five, Vlad Jr., Freeman, Goldie, Alonzo, Olsen, do not panic because that Abreu, low Pasquantino mm-hmm. trio as your starting first baseman, you are not far behind the curve there. There's it, nothing wrong with that. It may actually be my favorite like tier out of this group. Like it's yep. just, I just love grabbing. Like I, Lo, low is the guy that like I want on all my teams. Yeah, hey, I'm with you. I had him. I had him just about everywhere last year, and he was uh, he was huge for me. He's awesome, and I'm excited to get buy back in. You usually after after breakout, maybe you fade a guy because the prices jumped. He's somebody I'm I'm doubling down on because I really like Nathaniel Low. 
Is CJ Crone best used as a home-only player in all formats? I think the answer is an yes. unquestioned yes in mm -hmm. like 10 teamers. Uh, but when I floated this idea to you, you suggested maybe even as deep as 15 team mixed leagues just use his home games and then get somebody else for the road. Well, those of you who play in NFBC, uh, Kevin Hastings did a uh, did a look into this and saw that you can get eighty of his uh, what eighty one home games uh, without getting any of his away games. Oh wow! Uh, so, That's Kevin Hastings, by the way, no. Way. Sorry, sorry, Hastings, um, uh, who's a fantastic podcaster, won TGFBI overall one year. Um, uh, so definitely go follow his work over at Pitcherlist. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, he mapped it out and like you can get 80 of the 81 home games on NFBC, like for Rockies. So like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to be stacking a bunch of Rockies in a lot of NFBC game, uh, uh, uh leagues. Now, for those of you who play weekly leagues, that's a lot harder to do because yes. there isn't a ton of Rockies only weeks. Um, which means you're going to have to take the downside of CJ Crone, um, which is reflective in my ranks. Because uh, I have him 13th behind yeah, he, other he, guys he, who are a lot more favorable um, than... We're uh, both down compared to the market. I had him 11th. You had him 13th. The market has him 10th for CJ Crone right now. And in my write-up, I mentioned how much he's leaned on Coors in his two years with the club, uh, hitting 41 homers with 99 runs and ribbies in 583 plate appearances at home with a 313 average. On the road, 223 with 16 homers, 51 ribbies, 50 runs in more plate appearances, 596. So 13 more plate appearances, he falls off that much. We know the Coors hangover effect. like We know all that, but this is stark. Yeah, This is absolutely stark. And like I said, 10 teams, it's not even a question. If you draft Crone, you do not play him on the road. 12s, I think the same thing. And then 15s, like I said, you suggested that that's probably the case for him in 15s as well. And I think with the influx of the NLDH, you can pull it off. There was a mm -hmm. lot more hitting talent on the wire last year than we've seen in recent years for 15-teamers. 15, 15 yeah. So, yeah, I, I would definitely you know come up with – you know, a really good platoon partner on, on your bench, someone who's got the first base eligibility that you can kind of rotate up to get Crone out of your lineup on the on the weekends or or days that he's not in course because yeah, he's he's just worthless then. He like he, so, he actively hurts you when he's in your exactly. lineup away from course. I did a Crone home only in my spreadsheet that we're both using. We're both using the uh, the process spreadsheet, and I didn't even do a a, a good platoon partner. I did. Lower than league average. Do you know where the Crone home with league average replacement uh, landed amongst my rankings? Probably seventh, sixth. Yeah, right, right behind Olson. Mm -hmm. uh, like that's how good he is at home that he can carry even. And that, that, again, that's if you don't even have a good backup. Say you get somebody pretty strong as a backup. You know, some of the guys that we're going to talk about here in 10, 15 minutes uh, that are that are above league average. Then all of a sudden, you're talking about possibly the number one first baseman. Like I think top five is definitely easy, and number one is possible. You can get the number one first baseman by going Crone, and then somebody in like the twenties among yeah. first base. This, this is why it is so important to know your format, right? Yeah. Because when someone like me does projections, or you go Garab Steamers projections, or the Bats projections, um. They're going to, you know, that value is based on all the games, right? Mm -hmm. um, but 
if you can optimize your lineup with a guy like CJ Crone, you can get a hell of a lot more value out of him than is what is even shown in the projections. So um, it's really, really important to know how to work your uh, your own personal like format for your home leagues or for whatever league format you're playing in. Always be mindful of your rules. It's the number one rule that we mm-hmm. talk about, and it's uh, always important and worth remembering too. Because sometimes, even we make mistakes on on things like that. We're like, damn it, we should have played paid more attention. Did Josh Bell tank his market value with the struggles in San Diego? Um, he really, really fell off going there, and I wonder if maybe people are overreacting to that because he put up a seventy-five OPS plus, one ninety-two average, and just three homers in his 210 plate appearances, which has him down as the 18th first baseman off the board, well below where you and I have him ranked at 12th for me and 14th for you with regards to Josh Bell. What do you think of him in Cleveland? Obviously, you like him better than the market, but uh, is this a is this a uh, big-time buy for you since we're so much higher on him than the market right now? Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely one of my targets if I miss out on you know some of the earlier guys I really like. Uh, he's going to play. He's going to play every day in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, their like fallback option is Bobby Bradley. Um, you know, shout out to my boy. Uh, but, uh, like that's, that's not going to work. He's going to play every day and, um, he's going to walk a bunch. Uh, you know, I think the, uh, I think the moving to San Diego really, really hurt him last year. I think he'll rebound just fine in a place, uh, like Cleveland and, yeah, I have him on my 14th uh, first baseman. I felt like I was even being conservative on that uh, a little bit, considering the depth of first base, uh, and still well ahead of the market value. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think having 12. I, I mean, we're not that far apart. Uh, I think it's maybe just a ranking. I, actually, I guess we are. We're, we're, almost, uh, we're almost four bucks apart. I'll tell you what I really like is the park factor boost. You mentioned how much San Diego hurt him, and it did, and he's a switch hitter for Josh Bell. So, you know, there are different things to look at there for both sides as far as uh, where the boosts and and declines are. But he's getting a big boost when he hits as a left-hander, which means against right-handers, which is the bulk of what he'll be doing. Cleveland Progressive Field has the eighth park factor. In fact, seventh when you consider that it's tied with uh, Coors. Or excuse me, it's tied with, um, yeah, Coors at 107 Park Factor for homers when he's going to be batting right-handed at home. That's really nice. Uh, and so I think that boost uh, is a big reason. And I'm just not that worried by the 53-game sample with San Diego. If you look at what he did with Washington, he was excellent. Uh, he had a 301, 384, 493 in those 103 games with Washington. So he was killing it. And that's why I think the recency bias of the struggles are what uh, may are making people kind of fade Josh Bell a little bit. And I'm ready to pounce on that. And I'm going to be jumping him and, and taking him. I'll even take him above that 1880p just to ensure that I get him. Because even if I take mm-hmm. him as like the 16th first baseman, I'm he's still, still way below. Yeah, he's still way below where you have him. So yeah, I, I agree. All right. So that's Josh Bell. Moving on. Are we missing something on Andrew Vaughn? We both have him right at 18 smack dab uh, tie there, but the market has him as the 12th first baseman. He's somebody I like, and I even mentioned in my write-up that, yes, he could have the big breakout, but I'm not projecting. I'm not putting him down for like 30 homers or anything. I, I could see it, but instead I went 280 average, low low 20 homers output, um, and I like the outfield flexibility as well, but are we missing something with, with him being 12th to our 18th? I, I don't think we are. I think um, there's still this 
belief in his pro- pos- uh, prospect pedigree. They're looking at now the opportunity mixed with that pedigree. Um, I don't think you can hit 35 or 40 home runs if you have a 50% ground ball rate. Like that's, you know, his, his ground ball rate last year was 47.7, I think. Um, that's not going to play. Well, that's where the big development would come, though, right? At age 25, he's still at a at a point where Andrew Vaughn can make a stark change. Excuse me, he can make a stark change that we don't see in the numbers. You know, because you're right, 48 percent uh, ground ball rate is way too high uh, for somebody that wants to be a power hitter. It's it helps his average, but it, it doesn't help for the for the power. Mm-hmm. And he hit 17 last year and 15 the year before that. But if he makes a leap then sure, I can see him getting up as high as 12 or even higher than that, to be honest. But the market's already taken there. He needs to leap like yeah. to, to be worth that. He the market's needs saying to he's going to do it, and I'm just not ready to buy into it. I think the fact that he's also outfield eligible probably plays into it because outfield is so bad yeah. that people are uh, willing to kind of spend up on the guys they really like, um, which is fine. If that's the guy you really like, then go for it. Uh, I just... Um, I, I need to see some sort of change in his swing path in order to believe that he's going to get more lift in that swing. Like, I mean, he has yet to post a double-digit launch angle at the major league level. That That's a problem. I, I, I totally feel that. I like Andrew Vaughn. I want to bet big on him. But the market's already betting, like you said, that, that he's going to do it, and I just can't get there. Steamer, by the way, is dead even tied with us at 18, uh, yeah. where they have him among first basemen. And so... I'm just gonna stick with that, and if I if I miss and he breaks out and I'm 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 a year late, then that's okay. I'll be rooting for him because, like I said, I like him as a player. But I'm also a little bit concerned about that lineup, and so I I kind of came down a little bit on his runs and ribbies. Like, there's certainly talent there, um, but you know, Tim Anderson's been dealing with some injuries lately. Andrew Benintendi, uh, he's a guy I like, but also an injury concern. Luis Robert, also an injury concern. Eloy Jimenez, I'm becoming a broken record here mm-hmm. injury concern yo mancada a talent concern and uh you know we'll talk about this more at catcher but is grandal gonna bounce back at age 34 i don't know so i don't know if the lineup is there to support him from a runs ribby standpoint either so while i do like vaughn i think the market has priced me out unfortunately agreed can ryan mountcastle reach 30 homers again with the new camden dimensions no I tend to not think so either. He halved his home run rate at home down to 11, and that was actually the exact difference on his home run total from 2021 to 2020, 2022, where he hit uh, 11 fewer. And he hit the same amount on the road and then 11 fewer at home, and that was the difference. Everything else was pretty much the same. Five points different in batting average, four points difference in OBP, but 50, or excuse me, 64 points difference in slug it seems like the easiest answer is the obvious one here that the park robbed Mountcastle. And I'm just not sure I'm going to believe anything else. Uh, yeah. and, and unless he finds like some extra power somewhere, I don't know why it would change. He's never been like a stat cast exit velocity darling. Um, I think the, one of the big concerns with him coming up for the minor leagues was like, he looks like another, just another guy. And he had hit at every level. And I think he'll continue to hit like he'll be fine. But yeah, going from like, you know, free swinging Camden to like now in like the one of the worst parks hit in baseball for a right handed hitter. Um, yeah, that that's just a really bad spot for him. And yeah, I, I 
don't want him on my like I, I loved him prior to the dimension change and now I hate yeah, him. Yeah, you liked him last year. Yeah, I loved um, him. Yeah. But the market has not adjusted, I guess, because they have him at 15. Uh you're at 20 and I'm at 17. And even our three our three spot difference is only 60 cents. So our projections are damn near the same on Mount Castle, yeah. and we're just not really seeing the bounce back there. So good luck to those folks. Uh, will the market join us on Will Myers? It hasn't yet. The the six drafts that I'm looking at here are since he signed in Cincinnati, but I'm actually really big on him. I, I got him quite high up at 14 right now because I'm basically just seeing Brandon Drury again. Now he needs to find some health, but I didn't even, or 13th, excuse me, but I didn't even give him full health. I only put 138 games, 538 plate appearances, but I went 26 homers, 70 runs, 85 ribbies, seven steals and a 265 average. Maybe I'm overrating Great American Ballpark, but I got you to put him up there quite a bit too. You have him at 19th. The market has him as the 30th first baseman off the board. That will definitely go up, but will it go up enough to price us out? I, I just want to point out, you have 538 plate appearances. I have him at 540. Like we almost Love have the that. exact same amount of plate appearances. Can I interest you in lowering the runs and RBIs on a really bad Reds team? Specifically the RBIs, yes. 85 field, especially with all the talk we've had today about runs and ribbies. 100% yes. I, 70 runs, maybe that's even too high. I, I can grant you that. Yes, I think you can interest me. So I think I'll end up closer to where you are. Maybe I was planting my flag a little too much there with the 13th because I knew that would stand out. It, to if he was on a better team, I'd be all for it. But like, yes. the Reds are atrocious. It, they do players. suck, and the park can only fix so many guys. Like, like He's it a good player. It doesn't give other players the ability to hit the ball. That's exactly right. Like. Yeah. Will Myers isn't some crap player going to a good park. He's been a good hitter. In fact, he's somebody you've loved in past years because he's been so cheap uh, as a power speed guy. He doesn't run as much anymore, but it all comes down to health with him. He's been a, pro, a plus bat his entire career, 110 WRC+. plus. So, yes, you have convinced me. I will bring that down a little bit, so we will end up being closer, but we're still way ahead of the market. I feel like, and you talked about how out, bad outfield is, He's first base outfield eligible. I think I'm going to end up with a lot of Will Myers right now, even as the market adjusts, because I don't think he's going to get much higher than like, I don't know, the 20 to 22 range as far yeah. as uh, first baseman. I don't know that the market's going to get him all the way up to where we have him just outside the top 20 or just inside yeah. the top 20. Excuse me. I think he's an absolute bargain right now. Like I just, um, and I, the price will come up, you know, because uh, you know, even of those six one drafts that you're talking about, like how many of them had already gotten to Will Myers' spot by the time? That's a great point. You know, so, like, you, there may only be three or four, like mixed into that, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe even not even that. Two fifty two so we'll, is the min, but you're right. There's a there's a legit chance that all six of them had already started and and been going by the time. I, I don't know. Maybe there maybe one or two has been since he's been fully in Cincinnati and they could process it. Um, but let's say, let's say he goes up to the 20th first baseman. That would put him right around pick 200 where Joey Manessis and Jake Cronenworth are. Which is the only, he went 205 in the only online championship that's happened. Okay. Since, and uh, I was so not in that. That was not me, um, so, but I would gladly do it. So that, that said, that makes sense. Like that, that feels about right. Yeah. I, I can definitely get behind that. Um, and even if I end up a little bit higher, uh, I have no problem with that. Now, I did invoke a name there, Brandon Drury, and uh, we saw what he was able to do in Cincinnati. And, yes, he went over to 
San Diego and fell on hard times similar, or I shouldn't say similar to Josh Bell because he was not nearly as bad as Josh Bell. Josh Bell fell apart, but Brandon Drury came back to earth in a pretty big way over there. He went from a 128 OPS plus to 109. That's a big dip, but 109 is not too bad. And he still had eight homers. Have you no love for Brandon Drury now with the Angels? Ooh. Oh, I should um, say, hang on, before you answer, I should say where you have him. You have him 32nd. Yeah. Uh, I think I need to increase the plate appearances. Okay, it's um, a volume thing. That makes sense because 32nd is low. That's that's like a part-time player. I, I have 575 plate appearances. I think, well, oh, that, so wait, maybe wait. not. No, no. Um, so wait, wait, wait. This is crazy because uh, you actually have him for 55 more plate appearances than I do. I only have him for 520. But wow. I have 26 homers, 77 I runs. I have 22 homers. Okay, so we're four different there. What about runs? 62. I have 77. 15 is a big difference. Yeah. And then Six, 82 ribbies? 65. Yeah, so almost 20, 17 there. Uh, what's his batting average? 250. I got 268. So that, that those are some big differences. Yeah. There. I might be a little hot on the average. I will grant that. But I like everything else I've got. And speaking of park factors, L.A. is sneaky solid. Angel Stadium is sneaky is. solid for righties. It's the fifth overall park factor at 103. The 112 home run park factor is seventh, tied with uh, American Family Field, which is the stupid-ass name that the Brewers Park has now. Yeah, I'm going to probably need to readjust – um, I like that lineup. I think uh, you know he's probably gonna bat six, but he could bat five. Renfro, I don't think is guaranteed to bat five. We have Renfro five, Drury six, Walsh seven right now on roster resource. I think Drury could bat as high as five if they're healthy. That's the highest he can go though. Ward, Trout, Otani, Rendon are gonna be the top four when healthy, but we know that the health track record of literally all four of those guys leaves something to be desired. Of course, if they're out, even if Drury bats higher. It, it's kind of mitigated by the fact that those guys wouldn't be in the lineup. So let's put him at like sixth spot in the lineup. I think that's a decent spot though, for him to still put up solid runs and ribbies. I might be a little too high on the 82 ribs, but uh, I think he can be pretty solid with them. I had him 16 to your 32 and the market has him 19th. Yeah. I just bumped up some of his numbers. I bumped up his homers, his runs and RBIs a little bit. Um, so I'll rerun it tonight and, and update, update the sheet. Uh, while I'm doing second base, so uh, we'll see kind of where he uh, falls out when I when I post my first base ranks tomorrow. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I was so low on him. Maybe I just you know had a bad day or something. Because uh, uh, if he's getting 575 plate appearances, I think he's getting 25 home runs. Yeah, um, and that's the th interesting part is that um, you had so many more plate appearances. In fact, I raised mine today. The sheet that we're going off of the Google Doc. I had 520 on there. I bumped him up to 544. So I've got it didn't change his rank because I had a decent split between him and Myers there as far as dollar value. But uh, yeah, I like Drury and he's triple eligible for second, third. And we've talked about how bad third base is. So while we are talking about first baseman, the other positions that they play do matter. Uh, as we mentioned with Andrew Vaughn, his outfield may be helping. And we're going to get in some other guys who might be getting helped by their other eligibility as well. So I'm glad I was able to sell you a little bit there on Drew. Yeah. He'll, he'll definitely come up. Let's move on here. And I'm wondering if there's a less is more situation here with Josh Naylor. Now, you know, he's somebody that I like. I was hyping him up a bunch last year, had a really nice season. Um, he is going to be a platoon. They have made clear that 
He's done against lefties, and frankly, he should be. And I think that there's a chance that that actually helps, even though you're going to lose some volume. It wasn't good volume. Um, he has a 181, 264, 249 line against lefties in 217 plate appearances with two homers, 16 ribbies, and 13 runs. I'd rather not take that batting average on for two homers, 16 ribbies, and 13 runs. I think this could actually help him a bit. Now, you might need to cover the volume. Uh, you know, say they got four lefties coming up in NFBC, and you can do the half week where you can get somebody else in. Uh, so have a backup there, or if you play in a deep enough league where lower volume is okay for your corner or utility, I think that's fine. So I had Naylor up at 19 to your 25. Um, what do you think about him platooning? Is that why you have him lower, or or do you see a fall off from what he did last year as well? No, I, I mean, I still have him with uh, you know some plate appearances against lefties that'll hurt him. And so I have him for 500 plate appearances. Maybe I need to lower the plate appearances a little bit and, uh, it, you know, and then increase the rate stats a little bit, because like you said, if he's not going, if he, if he's going to be a strong side platoon, like then that's his best case scenario. He really should not be going up against lefties. The problem becomes, are they really going to platoon him with like Gabriel Arias? Like who else? Like Tyler Freeman? Like, no, a um, great so, bench like to do platooning with. Well, I think what it will be is that um, they need to sign Robbie Grossman. No, well, you know what it could be though is like Zanino play. Oh no, no, because the Naylor's a lefty. Never mind. Yeah. Well, Bell can play first instead of DHing, and then I don't know. I, I think Will Benson or Will, Will Brennan's okay. I, maybe Will Benson too, but Will Brennan. Um, you're right about Tyler Freeman. I'm not a huge Gabriel. Gabriel Aris is like a glove only guy. Maybe yeah. maybe one of the Wills, Benson or Brennan. I think there's another the one to come or something like that. A small move, like you said, whether it's Robbie Grossman or somebody similar, maybe somebody like that. But I, uh, by the way, Brennan is also a lefty, so that yeah. doesn't necessarily work. And so is Benson. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Well, they like did this... say he's going to platoon, but then for who is a fair question. Yeah. So like uh, when I looked at the lineup, I was like, he should platoon. But will he? Like, I mean, I you they know, they've run anyone, out any. Though. Yeah, because they've run it out. Will be, it will be for DH because Bell can just play first against lefty. They might run me out there. Like, it's just, you know, <laughs> I mean, they, they might put Jim Tomei out there. I know that would be lefty, lefty, but Tomei can still rip a few yeah, homers there. So. Absolutely. But yeah, don't get too dissuaded by Naylor platooning because, I, like I said, I think that could be a less is more. I bumped up his average a decent bit to counterbalance the loss in volume. All right, next up is uh, what I was talking about earlier about other eligibility helping guys with two guys in a row here. Is Jose Miranda's third base eligibility boosting his ADP? Because he's the 13th guy off the board. You have him 16. I have him 22. Now, that looks like a big split for us, but we're only 30 cents apart. So that's more based on guys that we have. Our projections are actually damn near equal. But the market's still quite a bit higher than both of us at, at, at 13. Is that third base? Or are people seeing a bigger breakout than you and I are seeing from uh, Jose Miranda in Minnesota? Um, I think I think a large part of it is third base. I think third base is so bad. Um, sucks, well, dude. To, to some people, I, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out. To oh, me. dude, I hate um, it. I think especially if you're in a draft and hold, then you start going, "Oh, third base is really bad." But like, there's some interesting guys. Um, I think it's it also cliff dives after like Suarez. Really? 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Miranda's actually 11th. I, I like Miranda. So maybe after Miranda, but like it, Chapman, who, you know, I've been a big fan of, but like, let's be honest, his flaws are evident with the batting average. Cabrian Hayes still has to show something. Alec Bohm, um, Josh Young's unproven. Josh Rojas is bad at baseball. Anthony Rendon can't stay healthy. You know, I don't know. There, there's some Manning Coors, like I, you know. Yeah, uh, like there's Justin some guys. Turner, like I, you know, D, I, DJ Mayhew, I still like, you know. Here's like, the thing. I would make a case though that it's not even it's not even so that tier, it's the upper tier. There's really only seven what yeah. I would call studs. Ramirez, Witt, Machado, Devers, Riley, Arenado, and Bregman. And then I think from Bregman to Henderson, even though it's a, a one pick difference in ADP, that's a huge split there. And, and now, we'll get I, to it when we talk about Henderson. I think Henderson is like a bust waiting to happen. That's right? what I'm saying. Like he yeah. is getting so much love right now. And I don't know that it's set in stone that he's going to be a G yet. So uh, yeah, we will talk more at third base, but I do think that that's influencing I want Miranda. one of the top seven. I Me too. want one of the top Absolutely. seven. And I think everybody probably feels that way. And so once you get past it, people start like really going – Oh no, I don't because the problem is once you get past LeMayhew at 22, there's a nobody. That's and what you I'm need CIs. And yes. like so if you don't get a third baseman by the time you get to like out to, you know the top 20 off the board, and some of them are dual or triple eligible and being taken in other positions, you're screwed. So like, I think like there's an absolute cliff. I don't know if it's as deep as other people make it out to be, but uh, or the, the cliff starts as soon as other people make it out to be, but there is a massive cliff at some point. Third and I like Muncie. You know, I, I said, I said the cliff is at Bregman uh, based on my, my projection. I think Muncie's probably going to be behind Bregman, like right there based yeah, on the, the big Homer total that I gave him. So, you know, there's a handful of guys there, but it can get ugly. And I learned that in the gladiator specifically, because there's no reserves in that. And mm -hmm. so I was taking third base early. I ended up with Devers, Arenado and Bregman in my three, um, in my three gladiators. But anyway, staying on first base, same question goes for Jake Cronenworth, who I do like. He's somebody I root for, but I'm a little bit nervous about his fantasy juice this year. You and I both have him at 30. His ADP value is 21. Now he does have uh second and third or just, just second. Let me, let me see here. Cronenworth. Oh, he didn't show up when I uh, looked in third. So it must just be second base. Yeah. He's yeah. first and second only. Um, First off, I don't think second base is so bad that you would need to bump him up. Does he have enough fantasy juice to deserve 21st? I mean, the answer is no, because we both have him at 30. But, like, why do you think the market is so keen on, on Jake Cronenworth? Um, Probably dual eligibility and some name value. Like, Cronenworth's just been a guy that's been steadily, like, useful and, and good in fantasy the last couple of years. High volume, too. 643 yeah. and 684 plate appearances the last two years, but like 21 and 17 homers, 266 average isn't too bad back in 21, but then he dropped to 239 last year. And that again, and that 239 is really damaging when you have so many plate appearances. The volume hurts in that point. Yeah. And so that's that becomes a huge problem. And now with their additions of guys like Soto, Tatis coming back, Kim batting high, like he's not going to bat high in the lineup anymore. Like it's, I, I really, and it, it hurts me because I love Cronenworth a lot. He's one of um, those fan versus fantasy. Like I, yeah. I, I like him. I root for him, but I don't think I'm getting there with him in fantasy too much this year with, for, for Cronenworth. Yeah. I just can't do it. 
Yeah, so I think the market's a little too hot on him. All right, let's uh, wrap up here with a few in the lower tier. Who's your favorite unproven first baseman? Tristan Casas at pick 231, Miguel Vargas at pick 254, or Spencer Torkelson at pick 316? Obviously, he was the worst of the bunch, but you also get the big discount. I mean, that's really tough because I've got Casas and Vargas like right next to each other in my ranks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's Casas because... I feel like his playing time is more guaranteed. Like Boston sucks. Um, and so they've got no reason to like, you know, they, they, they let go of Eric Hosmer and what about Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, bro? Yeah. Yeah. I think we can finally put that one to bed. We, um, we did it. Or I did it last year. Ben, yeah. Ben, yeah. Ben but ben other terrible. people hadn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we can finally give up on, on Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, yeah. I think, he, I think Cassis is, is the most interesting um, I, I know like his performance at the majors was a little bit uneven, but uh, like he's a got small sample, real though. manpower, yeah, um, and real opportunity. Uh, then it's Vargas for me. I just think that the hit tool is really, really good. I think it's gonna play, I think he will get an opportunity to play every day. Sneaky um, speed, too, yeah, right? Uh, Vargas, mm-hmm. Vargas can run a bit. Um, I kind of have him in a little bit of the um. Not not dead even on this comp, but like Cabrian Hayes. Remember we were talking up his sneaky speed last year, and he ended up that ended up yeah. being kind of his carrying tool. Sixteen steals in twenty one attempts uh, at AAA for Vargas last year with seventeen homers. So you know, even if the power doesn't necessarily develop right away for the twenty three year old, if he's hitting like two seventy with teens homers but double digit steals, that's not too bad for for Miguel Vargas. So yeah. I, I kind of like him. And then Torkelson, like, I actually like where he's going. Like, in spite of the fact that, like, he was god-awful. He's terrible. Not just the majors, but in, in the minors as well last year. Like, he should get every opportunity to play. Yeah. And um, unless he just falls apart and is showing absolutely nothing, I think they're going to turn the keys over to him again this year and say, okay, here we go. And, and you know, yeah. we have to see some improvement this time. So, but yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Um, and I, I still believe in the base skills. Like, I, I feel like uh, there was a reason why he was taken 1 1 and was the number one prospect coming up, uh, you know, through the minor leagues. Uh, like, I, I'm not ready to give up on a guy like that. And Same. the fantasy community, and I, I was talking about this with um, a different player during my chat today, but. Um, the fantasy community just buries these guys that the second that they don't pan out. Yeah. If they struggle, especially in a year like we had last year where every rookie came up and was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The ones that weren't, oh, I was talking about was CJ Abrams. Um oh, the yeah. ones that like the ones the that yeah, the ones that didn't, like those are the guys to target, right? Like they still have that huge upside, but they're now extremely cheap. Some might even say they're free. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> You That's would say up. that. You love saying that. The The thing of it is, too, is it's funny because before you ever do anything, you're a god in fantasy and people will overdraft mm-hmm. the shit out of you. And then you you don't pan out instantly. And it's like, who? I don't know who that is. I forgot yeah. his name. Like, it is crazy how overreactive the market is as a whole on guys. And yes, I'm a Tigers fan, but I don't think I'm being like super clouded here. To, I have Torkelson ranked 30. So I'm not like. Well, what are the Tigers doing, by the way? What, what do you mean specifically? The Soto like, trade was interesting. I actually like the Soto. Trade. I like the trade a lot. Yeah. I like I like the Jimenez trade. I think these are the trades that Avila never really did. He did not do well at turning our our very few relief pieces that were actually good 
into something better because I think Scott Harris understands that they're not close yet, right? Like even if they take a step forward next year, they're probably like a high seventies, maybe a 500 type team, but the bullpen is the last piece you put together. So the fact that the bullpen was actually pretty good last year and had these interesting pieces, sell those guys. You can find those guys the next time around. You're supposed to get waiver claims that turn into good pieces. You're supposed to get failed starters that turn into good relief pieces. If people are willing to pay you something for Joe Jimenez with Justin uh, Henry Malloy and then with the Soto deal, getting Maiton Veerling and Donnie Sands, none of whom are projected to even really be like everyday first division guys. But one of them could be, and even if they're all three just kind of like fill in, you know, fourth outfielder, utility man, and backup catcher, that's good for just a, a, a okay lefty reliever. Like Soto is just a fireballer that can't hit the zone. What use is he on this team besides giving us right. an all-star every year? So I, I just, really, really I, like I, that trade. I just wanted to hear hear your rant a little bit. But no, I, right, I know. Who, who's the Tigers closer this year? Um, I agree with you what you said in your chat that uh, if they don't get somebody, it's Lang. Um, if not, I think that they do pick up maybe just somebody kind of random and, and I, yeah, I, I think they bring Fulmer, Fulmer back. That would be cool. I like Fulmer yeah. a lot, so my heart would be interested in that. But Lang, 30, 30% strikeout rate last year, 96 mile an hour fastball. I think he's got some of the tools, 56% ground ball rate too. He's got yep. some of the tools, 27 years old. And I know you're going to say Tigers are bad. Uh, they are, but uh, 30 yep. saves for Soto last year. So yep. if they can get 30, uh, if they have a little bit of improvement this year, Maybe Lang can get thirty. Some sometime when you sometimes when you're bad, the only wins you get are the close. Are close. Exactly. Yeah. Uh he did that trade did ruin one of my gladiator teams, though. Like it cannot win the overall because I had Soto and I this was a stream I did, uh, uh, a draft I did on stream. I hated the pick the second I did. I was like, oh god, guys, I can't believe I did that. I don't like that pick. Obviously, this was before he was traded, long before that. Uh, you want to know who my other closer is? Hmm. Sir Anthony Dominguez. Oh, that's brutal. So there's literally no world where I can get two closers, and neither of them might close. They might give the job to Kimbrel. So yeah, they will give the job to Kimbrel, at least to start. That, but that, that that's going to be a super frustrating situation. That um, team is dead from a I think my uh, gladiator team is dead because I legitimately fell asleep during a portion of the draft um, <laughs> while trying to put my kid to bed. I ended up with like three or four relievers on my team. Oh uh, no! And for because, you that don't know the gladiator format, real quick, yeah. it's twenty-three. It's your twenty-three man roster, and that is it. It's called the gladiator because it's a battle of attrition. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I have three relievers on my team. Um, they're not bad relievers, um, but I have three relievers on my team because I fell asleep and I got auto drafted. That's tough. Um, like I only fell asleep for like. 10 minutes. Like it doesn't it take long even, though. Cause those drafts yeah. like, move quickly. Especially I, I ended up, I ended up, uh, I ended up my, my last four pitching picks were auto drafted. Oh, that's, so that's I ended up tough. with, and they were all for my queue, Dylan Floro, Taylor Rogers, uh, Ranger Suarez and Martin Perez, but it's not how I would have finished my draft. At least they're guys that you wanted though. At least they were from your queue and not just from yeah. the top of the heap where you, you know, ended up with somebody who's, overranked on on the list but not going to pitch or something this year uh, all right a couple more questions better lefty flop buyback brandon belt at 490 or dom smith at 532 dom smith i mean brandon belt doesn't have a job yet um, true and so i wanted to, i put this dom, in here to give you an opportunity to talk dom smith because you have a pretty decent ranking for him uh, relative to deep leagues they yeah, told him he was going to play every day when when they signed him and he signed with no, washington yeah 
And he, he was told, uh, I think the exact quote was, I was led to believe that I'm going to have an everyday job at first base. There you um, go. So, yeah, I mean, like, he's going to play every day, and that's a good park to hit in. Uh, it's a lineup where, yeah, I can see why he would play every day. Uh, are, are you not shocked that you hit as many homers as him last year, though? He literally I, hit zero. Yeah. I like think that, he's going to hit more than zero. I think so too. It was only 152 the, plate appearances. I'm willing to give over on zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to give him an injury washout for the year because I actually quite liked him coming into the year um, as a late, you know, draft champions kind of guy. But it was just a flop of a season. Uh, but I think playing in Washington, which we've highlighted before, is a solid park to hit in. You mentioned that they have nothing but opportunity for him and just give Dom Smith 500 plate appearances and see what he can do. You put him down for 260 with 18 homers. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Brandon belt, however, like you said, does not have a job. Is there anywhere that he could sign that would even intrigue you? Probably not. Um, I have like this feeling like, Hey, maybe he ends up back with the giants. I could see uh, that. You know, then they can play Wilmer Flores at, Third, uh, I mean, what place? Needs oh, yeah, because Longo's gone. Yeah, uh, and they didn't get Correa. Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, no, they, could, they, they technically still could get Correa. I guess I guess he is yeah, still, still available, available right now. Yeah. Actually, uh, you mentioned Flores at third. We already have that. J.D. Davis is at first. At first, yeah. Are you saying I, maybe J.D. Davis isn't an everyday guy? He's definitely not an everyday guy. Oh, I that's going to hurt the feelings of some people who really like him for this year. I like JD Davis, but like he should not be an everyday player on a team that is expecting to compete for a playoff spot, which I don't know that my giant should be expecting to complete for a playoff spot, but they are. Why is he an everyday player? Um, he's not too bad against her. I, I will give you a little pushback on that. I think JD Davis could be kind of good. I want him to be good. He's a stat cast hero type guy. Like, yes, right? he, he is. He murders the ball when he makes contact. So he is not. Um, uh, we didn't discuss him here, by the way, because he's not first base eligible. He is third base yeah. only, interestingly. So, um, yeah, maybe. So I, I don't know. Like, what what team needs a I have no uh, idea. platooned old first baseman that's injury prone and previous concussion issues? Like, I have. Does that, Pittsburgh want to get yeah. their ninth first baseman to go yeah, with like, uh, G-Man Choi and Santana? Oakland, maybe. I don't like. I I really don't know who needs a first baseman, um, like like Brandon Bell. Like, and a lot of teams don't want to park somebody at DH. They like to use it as yeah. a revolving door. That has a trend that has kind of taken across the entire league. Unless you just have somebody that's like legitimately awesome. Um, you know, like a JD Martinez who you'd rather not put in the outfield type deal. But for the most part, teams don't want to lock somebody in there. So you can't even really place belt there. So I agree with you. Dom is and, the better pick between the two. Like it would have like I mean I I, I don't know Brandon Belt personally. Like, you know, he's never like come he's never come to my birthday party or anything <laughs> like that. Um in, in spite of inviting him. Um and so like is he a guy that's looking for one last paycheck? Or is he a guy who's just looking to continue to play the game? Like, yeah, you know, like, is he even willing to go to a Pittsburgh or a Cincinnati or, you know, not saying that those teams are necessarily interested or you're just saying low tier like, team. Yeah. Like, is he a guy that even wants to do something like that? Or is he going to wait to like a contender has an injury um, and he can come in and, you know, be a guy like, you know, would Minnesota make sense? Like Minnesota's got like, 
like a bunch of guys who get hurt all the time and you mm-hmm. know he could he could potentially be a first baseman there like you know is Kirloff ever going to be healthy like I don't maybe. know maybe I, I, I don't know they do have a rise at first base right now, which is a unique profile to have there because obviously he doesn't profile. As yeah, a, I don't as think they want. Baseman. I think they would rather have him as a super utility guy. Totally agree. That. Yeah. Totally agree. Going back to a, a point we made earlier with regards to Torkelson and how the fantasy community just discards prospects that they don't pan out. Is Nick Prado wrongly being ignored? Now, I criticize you when you say free for somebody who's like pick 225. He's pick 549. He's the 50th first baseman. He's damn near free. Uh, Nick Prado, he's really only a, a draft and hold guy right now, but is he being wrongly ignored? Do you still have some heat on him, uh, or has Vinny P just blown him out of the water and there's no room for, for him at the end anymore? I think there's no room for him right now. I think he's got to go down. And I also think he really has issues with his contact skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he needs to go down to the minor leagues and – learn how to hit the two um, catchers are tough too because they want to play melendez yeah. and perez damn near every day like you got to give them some rest because their catchers obviously they get nicked up but they're playing most of the time so you don't even really have the dh spot there for prado um and i don't think they're going to be trying to like park him in left field or anything like that so i am a little bit nervous and he only hit 228 with a 31% strikeout rate in AAA last year and then came up and it was even worse at the majors, 36% K rate with a 184 average. So, you know, he is very, very, very cheap if you want to get him in a draft champions, but it might not be a great pick. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that he fits the same avenue as Torque. I just wanted to bring it up under the same concept of he has been discarded now that Vinny P has passed Nick Prado. Yeah, I think he's going to have to come back as an outfielder. He's just, well, I don't, I don't, they, like you said, they want to play both those catchers every day and they're not sitting him. They're not sitting Vinny P for him. So yeah, he got 51 um, innings, uh, actually 58 innings in the outfield last year. So they've at least toyed with it. If they can, and that, outfield is, that outfield is thin, like, especially cause there's been talking, they want to trade Michael A. Taylor at yes. some point. So, um, if it maybe once Taylor's gone, it may be Taylor's the guy who ends up in, in, with the Dodgers. That would uh, really help um, because then you're talking, putting him in the corner, put Drew Waters in center, Oliveris in right, uh, yeah. Prado in left. Or Isbell, yeah. Uh, yeah, or Kyle Isbell who plays really strong defense. That could be the avenue. But um, are you taking Prado in draft no. champions? Okay. I, I don't think I am either because you got to be careful getting too many of those guys. I know we've harped on this point, but if you put too many of those guys on your draft champions, you're going to be looking up at uh, on May 15th and not have – players for certain spots because you got your three prospects who haven't been called up yet. You got two injuries that you're dealing with and then boom, you don't have anybody for your corner or yeah, something and, like that. And I think ultimately um, you want to take either a skills risk or a playing time risk, not a guy not who's both. got both. Yep. Yeah. Uh, last question is Kyle Manzardo this year's Vinny P and no. that's really just a loose comp in that he's somebody who's crushed in the minors that people aren't really talking about. You already said no. So um, do you just not think he's quite as good or do you just hate Kyle Manzardo? Neither. Um, I think he is good. I don't you just love Vinny P. I just think the Rays are the Rays. That's also a good point. I think that's and, the bigger issue. Well, let me be clear too. Um, he hasn't reached Triple A yet. He had yeah thirty games at Double A, but he is getting some heat. Uh, a raised infielder that hasn't reached Triple A, like I know he might he might be up in August. Well, I I can see a, earlier than that though. He's picked five thirty two. 
um, as like a platoon guy. Like it. Well, he's 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 22 though, so he's not a baby. Um, you know, it's not old either. I'm not suggesting that, but like he is a college product, and so I just think that there maybe there's a chance that uh, that he gets up. I was surprised to see that he's being drafted in. Uh, draft champions. I think that that's the main reason I brought him he, up. He's blown up prospect lists. Yeah, I mean, blown up prospect lists. Big time Washington what. State product um, coming out of college was drafted in twenty one. Got a little complex time, dominated there, and then had a two level season this year, high A and double A, and crushed. Put up a ten forty three OPS with twenty two homers in just ninety three games. So he missed some time due to injury, but he still dominated when he played. So Cal Manzardo is probably for me again. Um, he's not a skill risk, right? So maybe he is somebody you take in draft champions because you said yeah. skill risk or playing time. He has the yeah. playing time risk for sure. So I would be more interested in drafting him. But I think the best case is to put him on your watch list, be mindful of him, and then if he does get called up uh, at any point in the season, you're ready. You're ready to jump and, and make the move. You need an injury because the real problem for the Rays is this. Isaac Paredes does not have any options. Mm-hmm. Vidal Brujan does not have any options. Yep. Harold Ramirez does not have any options. Jose Siri does not have any options. Christian Brethencourt does not have any options. That's a great call. Yeah, there's just no room for Manzano yeah. right now. Yeah, and you know they're going to run like 45 relievers on that roster. Oh, so 100%. Like, yeah. So like you can't you can't bring up a guy who's probably first base only. Mm-hmm. If he unless he's going to play every day and I just don't see that necessarily maybe if uh, Ronda like really really struggles and Manzardo's like crushing the ball then yeah but Ronda at least has the ability to play other positions um well, you know he can stand there he can he can stand there that's he can stand there i'm just saying he's not a very good defender is the only no, point i'm trying to make that but he is better than Manzardo, who like you said is first base dh yeah. only uh, again a name to know which is kind of what we were saying about vinnie p last year just know the name we don't know what's going to happen nick prado was ahead of him at the time things change things are fluid like you said Manzardo is skyrocketing up prospect lists i don't know that you really need to be drafting him right now outside of like yeah. dynasty situations where he's probably already drafted but if you want to trade mm-hmm. for him or something like that that's where you want to be with Manzardo. But just remember the name that if he does find that opportunity, he could be somebody that could be a nice waiver find. Absolutely. All right, that's our first base preview, at least our first one. We'll probably do another rundown uh, in late February, early March as things fully settle. But Because uh, there's still a lot of free agents out there. We talked mm-hmm. on, on a couple of them, but there's also Luke Voigt, Trey Mancini, Yuli oh, Gurriel. Yeah we, we, yeah, we didn't talk about uh, Gurriel or Mancini or – um, or Jesus Aguilar, Mike Moustakis, yeah. like there's a lot of guys. So we will have, these are just kind of our first run of reviews. We will definitely do another position review uh, of each position a month or so down the line when everything is a bit more settled. But uh, yeah. I think first base is pretty interesting. You don't have to jump at the top end, but if you do, I get back in again in that top 20, 25 for my corner. I think I want my corner from first base for sure. And maybe even my DH. If I triple dip at first base, I think it's deep enough to do that. Yeah, I, I completely understand. Like it's um it is uh third base, like we've talked about, has like really a massive drop-off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially after the studs. Second base, it doesn't have the studs and it has some drop-offs. Like exactly, it, but there is a glob that you're yeah. gonna see when you finish your projections. Like mm-hmm. th- there's a few studs, a drop, and then glob city for like yeah. 24. For second baseman that are the Whereas same guy. First base is about as deep as you can get. So yeah, it really uh, is. 
it's returned. Remember a couple of years there where it was, it was looking a little light itself. So mm -hmm. first base is back baby, but uh, don't be afraid to d double or even triple dip into that pool. Uh, and you can even wind up with four in the right scenario. If you put somebody in the outfield, somebody at second base, your first and your corner type deal, you could really play in that pool quite a bit, but uh, Justin, hope you continue to get better. You already sound way better uh, than, you. than you did. And uh, we will talk on Friday, second baseman. Take it easy.